Hello and welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski. It's nice to finish off the festival, Hot Dogs Festival. It's 25th anniversary. We're finishing it off with a bang. We've got a very interesting filmmaker in here, a filmmaker from Norway, Havard Bustnes. And he made an amazing film called Golden Dawn Girls. And you get another chance to see it this weekend at Hot Dogs. So listen up and listen to why you should see this film. And at the end of the show, Courtney and I are going to give you a few little picks, hot picks for the final weekend. It's the final weekend. Go out and keep watching movies and have a great blowout. But listen here first. So as I said, my co-host Courtney Small is here with me. Hello. Hello. And so we're going to talk to Hovard Busnes. So Golden Dawn Girls it it had its premiere just on Tuesday, and uh, there's um there's a screening up coming up on the weekend, but you have to go to hotdogs.ca. Yes. And <laughs> don't ever trust radio people with dates. <laughs> We've always been told never mention dates because it, audiences don't aren't sitting there with a pen and paper. So hotdogs.ca, golden. Dawn Girls. So what the film is about, it's about Greece's far-right political party. That's their name, Golden Dawn, not Golden Dawn Girls. What happened with the girl part of it comes when Havard has joined them, and he has joined them at a point when all the men, all the prominent men, have been arrested for one reason or another. And so the women behind the scenes, behind these men, they, uh, you know, ranging from a daughter, a wife, a mother, they take it upon themselves to keep the party going, keep the leadership going, because, you know, they're still going through a lot of things, and they need to make sure things are moving along as the party needs. And uh, all I can say is uh, I believe that Mr. Havard Busnes has nerves of steel. <laughs> Somehow, this this Norwegian filmmaker finds out about, not only he knows where to go, and I have to ask you, where did you, you find access to these women and your nerves of steel? How in the world? You basically infiltrated their party. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And but, gained their trust, semi-trust. Yeah, that, that's true. And yeah, I understand that. It sounds strange. But everything started with uh, Norwegian black metal music. Is that what Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't everything start with that? Exactly. So, because I don't know if everybody knows, but black metal music was born in Norway. And and the producer, he made another documentary about black metal music. And one of the characters were a, a, a parliament member in Golden Dawn. He was also a, a bassist in a black metal band. And, and through this film, when the producer Christian told me about this... Uh, party in, in Greece, this far-right party who suddenly after the financial crisis in 2012 became the fifth biggest party with 400,000 votes in, in Greece. I was so shocked because for me, Greece has been the perfect place to go for vacation with my family for holiday. It's like friendly Greeks. It's, it's beaches. And now this, this neo-Nazi party suddenly became one of the big parties in the, in the parliament. So I really wanted to find out how is this possible. So how did you go about finding a way to get to know people, finding finding even the first person to be able to talk to? How yeah. did you find that access? So first of all, I borrowed a black metal T-shirt from the producer. 
to blend in that worked pretty well so uh, yeah so we so we just went there so but but of course then something happened as you said because uh af- after we started the project in 2013 suddenly all the men the leaders of golden dawn were arrested and we had to change the the ideas because i had the idea of following these families but now suddenly the men were in prison so i decided to make a film about the women because the women had to from changed from being with their family raising the kids etc to suddenly having to be more or less the leaders of the party and i found that really interesting there's an interesting aspect when when you follow the women because it feels like there's almost two stories going on in the film there is the story that you're telling and what you're seeing but also what the women believe the story is and the the persona that they're trying to convey to you now as you're filming and as you're putting this film together did you struggle to figure out how much of both sides if if we can coin it that um to, to show Yes, it, it was a really difficult balance. But one, I had one idea just to let them talk and let the audience like see who they are. It's it's like a lot of films. You you hang up a rope, and and the characters they hang themselves. Okay. Uh, so so yes, I had this idea about just having them in, on the screen. But I did some early test screenings on a rough cut, and people were so angry at me. They walked out. They asked me, "Are you a neo-Nazi?" They asked me, and then I understood this was not we were not finished filming. It was like we were editing and filming at the boat at the same time. And then I understood that I really have to include myself in the film, and because it's always also when you see the film, you you see that the 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 women they try to control the film. It's like, is it them or me who is the director? And of course, because they have their story they want to tell. And, and I, then I decided I have to show that, how they try to manipulate me. Uh, yeah, because that was it, very powerful. Yeah. It became like a tug of war between me and them. And that's why we also decided to include the material between the takes. Uh, because they talk like machines. They know exactly what to say. Uh, but when they talk to me, they are more more human. It's interesting because um, there's a point in the film when... I guess just after the 2015 election and the women are more prominent that you say that they were no longer victims. And I never got the sense that they, they were victims, even though they try to portray it. And there's a very interesting dichotomy between the Golden Dawns wanting to quote unquote liberate, free the people from the, the, the elites, but then also wanting to play the victims when it's convenient. For them, and it, is that something that was part of the robotic mechanism that it's been yeah. so ingrained? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. It's a good point. So they they use this imprisonment because they want to use it to get higher percentage in the election. So they talk a lot about the men being unfairly uh, put in custody and things like that. Uh, but yes, it's a question if it's true or if it's something they just say to to get sympathy. The first time that you were sp- speaking with them and and they started ordering you around. How, like, how many times did it take you to finally realize, if I just, when they say cut, if I pretend I cut and I walk away and let the camera capture things, how, how, how did that evolve? Like, how many times did... Hmm. To, in fact, we didn't plan it at all. It happened in the editing process. So, so we saw, we, we, that happened very late. To, so, of course, the, the filming of me happened earlier. We did that from the beginning. We were not sure if we were going to use it, but 
maybe, maybe not. But uh, that happened like the last month of editing, and we were editing for a year. So we started to look at the material again, and we had a translator to tran who translated what happened in between, and then we found a lot of interesting stuff mm -hmm. where they talk about me. The characters talk, how should we do this to have him? Do we want to talk about this? No, we shouldn't talk about this. It's because they have their story. They have their narrative. Yeah. Because they want to portray this far-right party as like a the good party, they would want to look like f normal families. That's what they want to do. I think part part of my my declaration that you have nerves of steel is that you put up with this. That it, okay, I understand now that you didn't leave the camera on the whole time, and we didn't. You, we don't see them them doing this the whole time. But when we see it, hmm. it's it. How does a filmmaker keep going? First of all, you're you're film changes course in a way that's not the film you wanted to make and then it starts going down this road hmm. but you have to take some like take some abuse from your subjects in order oh, yeah. to get this film that that you think that now hmm. this is the film I want to make yeah I, I think I, I like risks it's my character <laughs> <laughs> but also you have to be patient of course and it's always a balance because if I pushed them too much I was afraid of losing the access and of course, it's also dangerous. We were warned, this party is dangerous. They are famous for beating journalists and immigrants. So we tried to find a, a Greek photographer, but nobody wanted to be to, to go there because they said it was too dangerous. So we just find a Norwegian guy. <laughs> <laughs> Norwegians are brave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. They were stupid. To follow up on that, the whole aspect of danger, do, do you think that because it was women who were essentially taking over and I guess in some ways conveying a quote-unquote softer image, is that why they had a, a much broader appeal come time that they moved up the, up the ranks? Because yeah. we see a lot of images of the men being violent, whether it be on TV to merchants in the street. But yeah. the women, we never get to see them get their hands dirty in that in that aspect. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why they became the third biggest party after the women did the election. So oh, it's important to say that they didn't grow that much in percentage. So, but they they grew and 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 yes. So so I think it's the women looks more more like you and me. So I think it was easier for people to vote for them when the women were doing because yes you're right you have all this video in the internet with the men beating the immigrants they are like and they also have this tattoos Sieg Heil tattoo and and of course it's a kind of funny too when one of the characters in the film he says like why he's asked by a journalist why do you have this Sieg Heil tattoo and his answer is oh I didn't know it didn't know what it meant I just liked the font it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. The, the, st the way that they can keep a straight face and deflect your questions about the, the far right and about uh, being neo-Nazis. And, and it's, it's shocking. And, and in a way, beyond the anger that I could feel, there's this, this sense of bewilderment that people could be that deluded. I mean, this is really, you know, a, a portrait and it reveals so much more about how people can delude themselves. I'm so happy that you say that because that's exactly what I wanted to to show. Because for me, this is the most important thing for me is to show how we make up stories about ourselves. I think we all do, more or less, maybe more or less extreme. We we have to make a narrative about our lives where we are the heroes, 
I think it's necessary to survive, and they do it like ex extremely. For us, it's hard to understand how is it possible to deny that their husband are violent. No, he didn't beat the immigrant. He just it was just a table, or didn't like hit them. It's it's in one way it's hilarious and scary at the same yeah, time. Yeah, in a kind of a world of black humor. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of ridiculous. Yeah, because for, for me, I, when I first screened the film, I was really like nervous, like you all, always are when you have a premiere. But I have figured out that people, they also laugh. And I find that interesting too. And I think that's good because we need to laugh too. It's, even though this is this is very a serious subject, I think it's good. And do you think that the, I guess, the rise uh, from what you've witnessed has a lot to do with I guess a, a lack of understanding of history because I noticed in your film outside of the the one man on the street that they were trying to get to come to a rally or handing out flyers and he said no 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 I I went through this during the war I've seen this all before and he's the only one that actually m makes proper reference to events of the past I know um, the the daughter of the head I think it was Ori Orania Orania she yeah. She is proud to show you all of her books, all of her, her philosophy books, and highlights her education, but she never talks about actual history. There's a lot of, you know, oh, they do this, you know, immigrants do this, but there's no actual historical yeah. fact to that. And is that, you know, what keeps them going by kind of yeah. shielding the world or their followers from that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a lot about selective history reading. They read a lot about this uh, history, Greek history, two, three thousand years ago. Because they have this dream about Greek, the big, the famous, like the strong Greek empire. Uh, that's the kind of history books is important for them. And they, they read it a lot and they talk a lot about it. Uh, but modern history, I don't think they know very much about what the Nazis did in German, in, in Greek during the Second World War because they were not treating Greeks very well. Um, I guess we should just close off by asking how the audience received the film here? Oh, it was great being here at Hot Dogs. I, I love Hot Dogs and I love the audience because the audience is so, um, how should I say this, have so many good questions at the Q&As, uh, which I love. And it's all kind of people. It's, it's not only films, uh, makers, it's like everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's the only place where I can go to a documentary film festival and people are queuing to watch documentaries. That's what I love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so many people, if they don't get in, they're so upset. Exactly. And it's it's like, oh, it's okay, go find another film. Exactly. <laughs> it's wonderful. So I'm so glad that you were able to come to Hot Dogs and, uh, you know, best of luck with this film. And so I'm just going to remind people, well, we've been speaking with Havard Busnes. He is the director of Golden Dawn Girls, and Golden Dawn Girls is screening again at Hot Dogs. The best place to go, the best thing to do is to go to hotdogs.ca and find out all the information to make that happen, to make put you in those seats and so you can experience this incredible film. Thank right. you so much for having me. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, so uh, Frameline will be back in just a second.
Welcome back to Frame Lining on Radio Regent. I'm Barbara Gosowski, and I'm here with Courtney Small, my co-host, who's going to start us off on the final batch of hot picks for hot docs for closing weekend. Oh, uh, we'll start off with, there's a film called the, uh, sorry, Women of Venezuelan Chaos, and it was a very interesting film. It's it's talking about the the crisis in Venezuela because I guess Venezuela is one of the world's largest producers of oil, um, you know, a, a rich resource. But due to corruption, food shortages, poverty, the the country is in a real dire situation. So this film follows five women for various backgrounds. One's a retired police officer. One's a nurse. One's a woman who's unemployed, um, and just kind of follows their day-to-day experience and how they're basically struggling to survive, struggling to deal with corruption at all levels. Um, Something as simple as getting food is very tough. Um, One woman has to do almost like a a bartering system through, through the black market to, to get items that aren't in the stores. One woman has to go to these, I guess the unemployed woman has to go to a food kind of drop off point. And she has to wait in, in the line sometimes overnight. And she's afraid to go home and come back early in the morning because there's a chance of her getting robbed because there's so much crime going on. It's, it's a really kind of bleak look at, at Venezuelan life, but there is still a bit of optimism, you know, that the fact that these, these women are, are still surviving, you know, raising families, trying to take care of loved ones in such a, uh, a grim situation. Wow. Um, was there anything that um, you would recommend that's sort of more uplifting? You know, I, I'm going to say that all of my films have a tinge of sadness. Uh, one I really liked, uh, one of my favorites of the fest, is a film called Exit Music. But it's all about a, a young man who has cystic fibrosis that from the age of, I think, three months was told that he didn't have long to live. So uh, this film finds him at 28 um, still dealing with his ailments, but also what observes him and his family as they're preparing for the inevitable thing. So again, it's a, a sad film because it's a film about death, but I found it very inspiring. Like it's a, a film about death that gives you life. And right. if it sounds weird, but no, way- no, I mean, sometimes, um, focusing on individuals in turmoil that are fighting, that are struggling. Cause from what I understand, he outlived all expectations. Yes. And and kept going and and was you know was kept fighting to the end. Yeah, and you see his relationship with his father, and his father is a Vietnam vet with um, PTSD, and he's also had a lot of tragedy. And this family still manages to go on; their their bond is really strong. So again, it's a sad tale, but it's still uplifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last one that I'll say real quick is a film called Transformer, mm-hmm. and it's a film about a bodybuilder, um, Matt Krokzaliski also known as Croc, I guess, in the the powerlifting world. And it's all about his um, transformation into Janae Croc and how the he has to deal with, I guess, the the struggles that come with, with being transgender in today's society. And, you know, his kid, he has three sons who are all very supportive of him and, you know, they, they root for him and they knew about his transformation before the greater public did. But it's still very much he's... A bodybuilder. His muscle used to be his safety blanket, and now he no longer has that. Right? He's tried to 
navigate. He's still big, though. He's, well, he's still very big, but in terms well, of now, we should say she. She yes. He's, he's done the transformation. Yes, right? she's she is still very muscular, but I, I, the way how she looks at herself and those muscles, like before, one of the reasons why she she um, became bodybuilder was because she didn't want to be picked on, you know, uh, when she was a male and just that whole idea of masculinity and toughness. Whereas now she's she's learning how to navigate a new space and also having to deal with the the hardships that come with it being ostracized in certain areas having some family members not be as supportive as her children again it's a it's a very um life-affirming film that reminds us that you know at the end of the day janae is still janae yeah it's a person a lovable you know, person lovable person cares about family has all the same goals and aspirations that we all have yeah and can be hurt by family i mean it's it's another trans story or another story from the LGBTQ community where family rejects the individual, uh, in my mind, unfairly, right? So that that's uh, that's unfortunate, but I'm glad that you know she's happy it in herself with herself, you know. Yes, exactly. And what what do you recommend? Well, I'm gonna end on uh, end us on a uh, upbeat note, okay. positive. We're just laughing over here. We're just, with me, it's all just jokes. Okay, that's okay? fine. And the one I want to mention the most is called Bathtubs Over Broadway. And it's part of Artscapes. My, it appears that this is my favorite program this year because I keep talking about films from Artscapes, but they're, they're, they're wonderful films and they're, they're quirky. You know, the other ones I'm going to talk about do have something to do with entertainment, but this one, it, it's, it's just a little bit weird. And there's a little bit of vinyl addiction in it, which is something. That's right up your alley. Yeah, it's right up my alley. It's, that's just, that's the geek in me, part of the geek in me. So basically, Steve Young, he was the writer for The Late Show with David Letterman. And the, he was researching, while he was working on the show, he, he was in charge of researching records that Letterman would, it was a, an ongoing skit. That, that he kept doing, which was you know, every once in a while, oh, here's another record from my record collection. And Dave's record collection always featured the craziest, weirdest, most unusual things. And it was Steve's job to find them. So as he started, you know, doing this more and more, and he was always thinking whenever he was rummaging at record stores or, or fairs or whatever, he, he, he was always, always had that in, this in mind and then started realizing that he was getting more and more interested in these weird quirky things and that there was a consistent kind of pattern or a consistent kind of record that he was becoming more and more interested in. And this was called, uh, there was a type of record called the industrial musical. And in, industrial is like an insider, like it's a, it's a work related like if you make an industrial film, it's like it's for the industry. If you make a, an industrial musical, it's a musical for a certain industry, or in this case, certain industries. So you have these giant makers. And so he goes back and he, he goes through that. And then he goes back and, and talks about how he came to know what these were. And I don't want to ruin it because it's a really great journey with him. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a very lovable guy. So he's, you know, he's just someone you just easily follow. And he was a comedy writer, so he's funny. And, but basically he starts discovering records, for example, that a big truck show, you know, in the 1950s when big companies used to have these like convention type things for their people, they would, you know, host them at a, a certain hotel. And that would include, 
like giant dinners, lavish displays, plus, we didn't know this, musicals. So you, Toyota would have, maybe not Toyota, Ford would have uh, uh, basically this event and then someone would write a musical that featured Ford products or it, it, the reason it's called Bathtubs Over Broadway, uh, people who made bathtub and, and uh, bathroom fixtures, big companies like that, they would, and so that the, the people, the salespeople would be entertained by these stories and songs and dancing all around, you know, the latest, uh, featuring oh. the plumber, discovering the latest way to fix. Very catchy way of marketing. Yeah. And, and so it's, these are really quirky pieces of music. And then he finds out that there's this whole giant industry behind, beyond, beyond the industry musical, like the record making and the collecting and, and the whole, all of that. So that's a lot of fun. That one has just opened uh, yesterday or today. And so, no, uh, yesterday I think it opened. Anyway, there's two screenings left and there are tickets left. One is, you know, if you quickly go tonight, but the other one is on Saturday. So go to hotdogs.ca. And uh, the final ones, I'm just going to give a really, really quick mention to um, because they're they're basically about the big stars. At the festival, there's always like big star movies. And these have all gone rush. One screening on the weekend. Again, hotdogs.ca. But they're all, they're all amazing. And you probably see them somewhere else. So don't panic if you don't see them. But if you get a chance to join a rush line, Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is an amazing, uh, surprising film about Mr. Rogers. I never gave him that much thought. I knew he was a nice guy, you know, did, did a lot of important work with children and te- children's television. Didn't realize how deep and, and how resonant that message of love and acceptance spread, you know, how deeply he impacted the society and, and how different things are now. So that's what we've been my neighbor. That's been getting a lot of great reviews. Yeah, it's a great film. So you'll see it. Uh, love Gilda. Anybody who knows the comedian Gilda Radner. And if you don't, it's a good idea to check her, check her out and learn about her. She was one of the most hilarious people, especially at Saturday Night Live, and still lives on in in the warm memories of the people, you know, the people that knew her, but also fans like me. Um, she's just one of a kind and irreplaceable. And this is really such a beautiful statement about her spirit. You know, she it turns out she was as special as special a person as she was an artist, and of course, Bill Murray. Bill Murray, the phenomenon, basically. He is a phenomenon. He's a walking, talking. He's, he's an attitude. He's a lifestyle. He's an attitude and he's a lifestyle choice. He's a live life in the moment. He's a, because the stories around Bill Murray, um, just stepping into situations, crashing parties, crashing house parties, um, crashing karaoke sessions. If you're in a room with your friends doing karaoke, Bill Murray may pop in. And he, he'll buy you all a round of drinks and he'll join in and stay there till the wee hours with you. So the stories like that. So it, it is a film about stories. Uh, it's called the Bill Murray stories, life lessons learned from a mythical man. And he is a mythical man oh, in his own like way. A lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So those are a lot of fun. So whatever you see, go. There's lots. There's still so many films to see at Hot Dogs. And uh, this, that's it for us. Yes, it's been a great festival. Yes, I've enjoyed myself, and I uh, hope you guys have had a chance to do the same. 
But otherwise, we'll be back soon. We'll be talking about other movies. Thanks for listening. Thank you.